2: Novel. Wingfield is some serious pain right now in the slot of a Kalamazooan. Ripped off his homic quickly.
3: Back in December 2004, when the Trashers were rampaging through their first season, they lost their star player, Brad Wingfield.
2: And the doctor is coming on for Denver, and that's never a good sign.
3: Brad was taken out with an alleged sleuther. His leg was smashed to pieces.
2: Wingfield is clutching on to Danbury trainer Rachel Schlatterman for dear life, it
3: seems.
4: Yeah, they said uh, this is a career-ending injury. You're not going to be able to play at the level you want to play at again.
3: But even in that moment of excruciating agony, Brad knew he couldn't let the doctors be right.
4: I know the doctor probably has an obligation to tell you the worst-case scenario, but um, that's up to me. It's not up to him to tell me I can't play again.
3: Brad lost pretty much all movement in his leg. So as his teammates battle through the rest of their inaugural season, Brad returns to his hometown, Vancouver. But he hasn't come home just to lick his wounds. Brad is planning a comeback. Because six months from now, the Kalamazoo Wings are due back in Danbury. This is going to be Brad's chance to serve up a cold slice of on-ice justice. He wants to avenge the Wings player who injured him, Josh Elzinger. But given the state he's in right now, he has some serious work to do if he's going to be ready in time.
4: Picking up marbles off the ground and then dropping them into a ball with my toes.
3: This might sound like a strange new hobby for a hockey pro, but this is no game. This is physio. Brad is on the road to recovery.
4: It was so hard to pick up these marbles, I couldn't feel them at all. And it just shows you the amount of nerve damage because it was one of the hardest things to do is pick up a marble with your toes.
3: These exercises help rebuild the sensation in his leg. And as he pushes on, visualizing sweet revenge, Day after day, they work.
4: You can feel and see yourself making progress. And when you, person like me, as soon as you see that, oh, this is working, you want more and more and more.
3: This goes on for weeks until Brad can walk again. But of course, he's got his heart set on much more than that.
4: I love playing for the Galantes and the Trashers. So I was working my ass off to get back in that lineup and be ready to go and uh, be a Trasher and to play for the Galantes at that level again.
3: Brad won't stop until he's back on the ice in that black, blue and trash can silver uniform, with Elzinger firmly in his sights. But before that's even a remote possibility, he has to go back under the knife one more time. The metalwork pinning his bones together needs to come out.
4: Oh yeah, they run a titanium rod all the way through your tibia, so it's like 15 inches long and it goes where your basically your bone marrow is. They hammer this rod through there, then they put a screw in under your knee through your tibia, just under your knee, and then I had a bunch of screws. I think six on this one in my ankle, and into this rod, trying to screw all the all the hardware in there, trying to screw the bones back together. So he actually gets set from the inside. Yeah, so they take out this titanium rod through your tibia and they take out all these screws.
3: The Galantes aren't going to let Brad have the operation in any old hospital. They want him in the safe hands of doctors they know and trust. They pay for his transport back to Connecticut, where they've booked him in for surgery.
4: I actually lived with the Galantes' house in the summer for two or three weeks.
3: AJ gets a big brother for a while, but more importantly, he gets a second player for his favorite video game. Virtual hockey, of course. AJ told me he whooped you and you're a sore loser. (laughs)
4: Yeah, AJ likes to tell everyone that he was the champ and yeah, all this and all that. But AJ and I both know that I would just lay a whooping on this guy. (laughs) I didn't even feel bad. This is like my boss, but I would just beat him and beat him. AJ was a sore loser.
3: <laughs> Good to get the story straight. When Brad and AJ aren't kicking back on the huge family sofa, battling it out on the Xbox or whacking each other with pillows, they have a lot to talk about, like their real life hockey war wounds.
4: How oh, both his injury and my injury have affected us, and, you know, bouncing back ideas on rehab and getting back.
3: Recovery isn't easy, but as the summer draws to a close, Brad feels stronger. He's hungry to hear the roar of the crowd, the sound of the puck hitting the net. But more than that, he wants vengeance.
4: Absolutely revenge. Every dog has his day. And uh, I knew I was going after this guy. There's nothing I could have done to stop myself.
3: He's laser focused on the man who shattered his leg and put his whole career on the line.
4: First off, I checked to see if he was back in Kalamazoo, which he was.
3: If he wants to get Elzinger back, Brad needs to be in the Trashers lineup by November, or he'll miss his chance.
4: I'm gonna get an opportunity here. That's all I'm focused on, is getting this guy back.
3: <laughs> Determination is one thing, but medical reality is another. Brad's got a lot of marbles to move if he's going to give Elzinger the welcome he deserves. I'm Claire Crofton. From the teams at Novel and iHeartRadio, this is The Fighty Pucks. Game seven, the big payback. The summer of 2005 has been a busy one for AJ. He wrapped up his first year of college, Brad Wingfield came to stay, and finally there was the small matter of his dad's garbage yard getting raided by the FBI. But AJ doesn't let all these distractions get in the way. He keeps his eye on the prize. An enormous silver trophy-shaped prize, the Colonial Cup. Winning the Cup would prove to his city and the United Hockey League that he isn't just a spoiled little kid riding on his dad's coattails. He's a hard-working leader, capable of pulling off a miracle. For Jimmy, winning the trophy would mean, well, winning. And there's nothing Jimmy Galante loves more than that. The tough guy tactics AJ chose for season one brought the fans in and got his team noticed, but ultimately didn't bring home the Colonial Cup. So he needs to make some adjustments.
5: We realized we had to get a lot more skilled and, you know, faster as well.
3: After some diligent Hockey DB ringbinder research, AJ goes on a new recruitment drive.
5: We went for smaller guys but more speed.
3: And there's one player who totally fits the brief.
6: Hi, how you doing? I'm Mike Omacholi. Uh, nice to meet you. Mike Omacholi.
3: At just over five feet, he certainly bucks the trash of season one trend.
6: I've had guys every single game calling me a midget, calling me short, trying to get me off my game.
3: But what Mike lacks in bulk, he definitely makes up for in talent. He's been playing in the European leagues, earning himself a reputation.
6: I was always embarrassed my whole life because I didn't play in the NHL. I know I was skilled enough to do it, but the size held me back. And I knew size didn't mean anything, but I couldn't convince anyone.
3: Mike's an overlooked talent who's itching to make a name for himself, despite his small stature. In other words, he's an underdog. For AJ, it's a match made in hockey heaven. At the start of September 2005, Mike arrives in Danbury with the Trashers in the midst of their pre season preparations. He settles into a beautiful lakeside cottage, all paid for by the Glantes. His neighbours are his teammates. It's gorgeous. But down at the arena, something's a little off.
6: I remember walking into the rink and someone saying, oh, look at that van, that's an FBI van. And I'm like, you're crazy. They uh, just look like normal vans parked across the street. That's not the FBI Then. We saw a few of them get out and have lunch at the building across the street. We were all like, oh yeah, that is FBI.
3: When Jimmy's garbage yard was raided in the summer, the secret was out. The FBI are investigating the Galantes. And their agents don't even seem to care about staying under the radar anymore. Mike and his teammates don't have time to dwell on this off-ice drama. Season two is almost upon them. The Galantes have made it crystal clear. They want to win this time. And AJ's done a great job laying the groundwork for victory with his latest recruitment drive. But with the season about to kick off, it's still not clear whether the Trashers' first and favourite recruit will be rejoining the team. Brad Wingfield has had the screws and titanium rod removed from his ankle. It's time to try on his skates again.
4: It hurt. It felt off. The very first time stepping on the ice, it felt disgusting. Like, it hurt to put on my skate boot, to lace it up. It felt terrible. So it was like a bittersweet feeling. It was awesome to be back on the ice. But I'm like, oh man, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this at that level again.
3: Brad tenaciously sticks to his rehabilitation plan. He pushes through the pain. And eventually, towards the end of October... He feels like he's ready to rejoin his team. He's proved the doctors wrong. But let's be real. Brad hasn't been moving marbles with his toes for a year just to say, I told you so. The Trashers are due to play the Kalamazoo Wings in a couple of weeks. And now Brad is finally ready to destroy the man who maimed him.
4: Just anticipating it's hard to wait. You know, you're playing for the Galantes, you're playing for the Trashers, a super tough team. So there's a little bit of pressure that you have to get out there and make good on paying this guy back. Over a year of frustration, ready to come out onto this guy and just unleash.
3: That's after the break.
7: Your tax refund belongs to you, not an identity thief. you buy Toyota Dependability, meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future. So visit your local Toyota dealer, check out the amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places.
8: Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep experts.
2: Jubileo with you, and tonight the Nantbury Trashers start their road to the Colonial Cup in their second season of United.
3: The Trashers' second season has begun, and Brad is back in the lineup. But with so many new players on the team and old favourites easing back in, it takes a while for the Trashers to find their groove.
2: The Danbury Trashers at Port Huron. The first game
3: is against the Port Huron flags, and it doesn't go well.
2: It wasn't a good night for Danbury. In the end, they lost 5-4 in a shootout.
3: The next game against the Flint Generals is better.
2: Danbury escapes barely with a one-goal victory over Flint.
3: The Trashers scrape a 4-3 win. Next, they face the Elmira Jackals.
2: Tonight, the Danbury Trashers win the Elmira Jackals.
3: And new recruit Mike Omiccioli shows Danbury that sometimes the best things do come in small packages.
2: Mike Omiccioli takes the puck, centres quickly, Collingwood shoots, he scores!
3: But even Mike Omiccioli's impressive opening isn't enough to save the Trashers. They lose 4-2. And so it goes. You win some, you lose some. It's as if the Trashers can't focus on climbing their standings until they settle another kind of score first on november 12th brad wingfield is ready for war he's in the lineup against the kalamazoo wings but when game day comes around josh Alzinger isn't even playing and to add insult to injury
2: so kalamazoo gets another on the power play and the wings now lead it 6 to 1
3: it's humiliating. They have another chance, though. A couple of weeks later, the Trashers are playing the wings again. But not El Zinger. Oh, and...
2: Danbury is down 4 nothing. Now the Trashers once again having a tough night against one of the top teams in the league.
3: The Trashers lose again. Brad is almost giving up hope of ever avenging his injury. But he's got one more shot... The Trashers are due to play against the Wings in less than a week. Third time's a charm, right? It's December 3rd, 2005. As the Trashers kit up for the game, they're thinking about one thing.
4: I didn't talk a lot, I was very focused, in the moment with myself, thinking about how I'm going to handle this.
3: Josh Elzinger is in tonight's lineup. So is Brad.
6: What's gonna happen? This could be bad. I hope it's not too bad. What is he gonna do?
3: Mike Omotrolli hasn't played with Brad much, doesn't know the guy well, but he's heard the stories, knows how Wingnut got his name. The guy's unhinged, and his plans for tonight are scary.
6: Winger told us he's gonna injure that guy bad. He wanted to break every bone in his body
3: As the Trashers prepare for battle, UHL Commissioner Richard Brussell finds his seat. He's flown in from Missouri to watch the game. As the man in charge of the league, he's hoping his presence tonight might help keep a lid on things. But as he looks out across the arena, it's clear that he's the only one praying for a peaceful game.
5: All the signs welcoming Brad Wingfield back Packed house.
3: The Danbury fans are out for blood. The noise in there was so
5: deafening, you couldn't even hear yourself think.
3: Rasal spots Brad. He's taking a seat on the trash's bench at the side of the ice.
5: He was literally built like a fire hydrant. I mean, you could not budge him strong as an ox. And then you looked at who else was on the ice, not choir boys, okay? You sensed something was going to happen. They were
2: out to cause havoc. Welcome to another edition of Danbury Trashers Hockey. Well, guess who's coming to dinner tonight, folks? Josh Elzinga, and I know that name rings a bell to Trashers fans. He was the defenseman who slew-footed Brad Wakefield exactly one year and two days ago here on a Wednesday night at the Danbury Ice Arena. Has-
3: As Brad and the other players skate out, even Trashers' commentator, Phil Jubileo, can feel the tension. When
2: Brad Wingfield came out on the ice, saw Elzinga, and stared
3: basically through him. Feels nervous about what might happen tonight.
2: Winger is a guy that is capable of really hurting somebody. I mean, this is a guy that you know is basically a professional fighter on the ice. Josh Elzinga is not going to be able to defend himself very well. He's a little guy. He's not a fighter. 367 days of frustration In the back of Brad Wingfield's mind We will see what will happen tonight Here at the Danbury Ice Arena
3: The two teams line up Ready to face off The puck drops
2: Josh Elzinga is now on For Kalamazoo Elzinga sends it up the right side No Wingfield on the ice right now for Danbury
3: That's right Elzinga's on the ice, and Brad's on the bench. But that doesn't last long. Soon, Brad is unleashed into the game. And finally, finally, it's the moment everyone has been waiting for.
2: First time tonight, Josh Elzinga and Brad Winkfield on the ice at the same time.
3: At first, no drama.
2: Winkfield skated in front of Elzinga and ignored him.
3: Seems like Brad is biding his time waiting for the right moment to attack at 7 minutes in the two teams are lined up in the Kalamazoo defensive zone
2: now a face off in the wings and to the right Josh Elzinga and Wingfield are right next to each other it's the perfect opportunity and then Winger drops the gloves and attacks him winger big uppercuts on Elzinga takes him down and he's punishing Josh Elzinga with a series of rights to the head
3: Elzinga is knocked down he manages to get up but Brad grabs him then players from both teams jump onto the fighting men a writhing mass of limbs.
2: It now looks like we're going to have something else develop.
3: Pairs of rival players splinter off and begin separate brawls on the ice.
2: And they're punching along the far side board to the right.
3: While Brad continues to attack Josh.
2: Zynga and Winger are going in the left wing corner.
3: The game officials tried to pull the men apart, but quickly back out of the way of the flying punches. Brad pushes Elzinger down onto the ice.
2: Another takedown and Winfield going bananas here at the Danbury Ice Arena.
3: According to the rules, when one player falls, the fight has to stop. Everything beyond this point is considered foul play, but Brad doesn't let that get in his way.
2: They can't restrain him right now. 367 days of frustration and fury being pounded on the face of Josh Elzinga.
3: Commissioner Brassell winces. His worst nightmare is materialising in front of his eyes. This is more than goonery. This looks like assault. He beat the living shit out of
5: him. I mean, literally throwing him like a rag doll on the ice, head hitting the ice, shoulder hitting the ice. It was ugly.
3: It was an ugly sight. The Danbury fans disagree.
2: And everyone standing on their feet here in Danbury. Wow. Sticks, helmets, gloves everywhere out there on the ice. This is what everyone's been waiting to see here in Danbury for over a year. The circus has returned to Danbury, folks.
3: A circus? It feels more like a gladiator arena or a condemned man being fed to a lion. Elzinga is on his stomach, turtling up, desperately trying not to get hurt.
2: It's not a typical hockey fight where both guys are standing and there's punches being thrown. It's Wingfield on top of him, just jackhammering away. I think at one point he might have tried to pick his head up and slam it in the ice.
3: But before Brad murders Josh, the officials finally managed to intervene.
2: In the midst of breaking up the fight, they actually pull Winger's jersey over his head. And they finally get him up on the ice. And here's a bare-chested Brad Wingfield trying to get away from these linesmen as he's being pushed away from the melee.
3: Did you worry that you might take it too far?
4: Oh, fuck no. I was going to try to kill the guy. <laughs> I know I kicked him a few times with my skate on, so that felt good.
3: At this point, the ref makes the call. Brad has gone too far.
2: Brad Wingfield. He gets two for cross-checking, two for instigation, five for fighting, a ten-minute misconduct and a game minute misconduct. He gets them all.
3: Wingfield's escorted off the ice, but it's not over between the Trashers and the Wings. A year ago, the snap of Brad's bones echoed through this arena, and it hasn't been easy for his teammates to forget. The look of horror on Wingfield's face still haunts them, and tonight it's their chance to make the Wings pay.
2: We've got a live brawl. Everyone just pushing and shoving.
3: It is absolute carnage. And it's just ten minutes in. There's still a lot of road on the game, and the Trashers have their foot on the gas.
2: Front shot saved by Blatny, covers up. Comes over the line, slap shot goes wide Tough tone set by the Trashers here in the first period. Through the
3: rest of the first period, there's fight after fight.
2: We got sucker punch. Italy attacked by Freddy Malange, face first right into the far board.
3: And the Trashers dominate every moment of the second period
2: the right, Shot, score Draw
3: scoring five goals.
2: Shot, score. Sean Collymore.
3: Put simply, the Trashers hit the wings like a truck. A garbage truck.
2: The Trashers win it 7-1. A blowout of the highest proportions here in Danbury. And Danbury owner Jimmy Galante is out there on the ice congratulating his players and the Trashers definitely are looking to send a message not only to Kalamazoo, but maybe to other teams in the league.
3: Message heard, loud and clear. And as 2005 turns to 2006, they batter their way to the top of the league. It seems the team is destined for bloody glory. Nothing can stop them. Right? Right? More after the break.
9: sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com Toyota, let's go places
10: Does sleeping hot keep you up at night? Meet the Lisa Chill Collection. These cooling mattresses work like magic with a cool to the touch cover, zoned springs, and comfy foam layers. Say goodbye to restless nights and wake up refreshed. iHeart listeners can save an extra $50 off by visiting lisa.com forward slash iHeart. That's lee acom forward slash iHeart. With Lisa, your purchase has purpose. Every year, Lisa donates thousands of mattresses to those in need. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details.
1: <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? Put the spring back into your step and into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save 40% site-wide. Get 40% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.
3: The commissioner of the United Hockey League, Richard Brassell, is hard at work in his Missouri office. Since Brad Wingfield beat up Josh Elzinger, Brasile's been busy. The other owners in his league are not happy. They don't want their teams to play in a league where this kind of violence flies. Brasile has spent the past few months reassuring them that he's got a handle on things. It's been tricky, nothing he can't deal with. But then...
5: My administrative assistant came into my office and said, Richard, there's a marshal here for you. What?
3: Not the kind of visitor the commissioners used to. Brasal's used to enforcing the rules, not getting in trouble for breaking them.
5: You have been served by the state's attorney of Connecticut to appear before a grand jury.
3: That is serious. Grand juries make decisions on whether criminal charges should be pursued. The marshal doesn't tell him much, only to pack his bags and board a plane to Connecticut. Which makes Brasal wonder, could this have something to do with the trashers? At the airport, a couple of FBI agents meet Brosell at the gate. He's escorted to a hotel to stay the night. Guards watch his door. The next morning, there's a knock.
5: Mr. Brosell, are you ready?
3: Two FBI agents are there to take the commissioner to breakfast. He needs to eat. He has a long day ahead. Plus, this will be a nice opportunity for the three men to get to know each other.
5: Quite frankly, I was in no mood to talk to anybody.
3: Maybe not then. Once the awkward breakfast date wraps up, another agent joins the gang, and they escort Brassal from the hotel to the courthouse.
5: One on each side of me, one behind me, and one in front of me, and they take me in the back entrance into the courthouse.
3: Brasal's ushered into an elevator and into a holding room.
5: You're literally in, like, an interrogation room. No windows, no water, no nothing. Metal door, metal desk, metal chairs. And one of the FBI guys said, all right, I'll come and get you when they need you. Like, well, how long is that going to be? He goes, have no idea. There's other people testifying before you.
3: Brasel is left alone.
5: You're sitting there going over in your mind, what is going on here?
3: Before he has time to work it out, An agent returns. Prasal's whisked along the corridors of the courthouse, through a door and into the courtroom. The jury is seated to one side. Prasal is shown to the witness stand. He looks up at the state's attorney. And then the questions begin.
5: Please state your name. Where do you live? Are you married? How long have you lived at this address?
3: And there are a lot of questions.
5: What is your position? Who do you work for? Do you know why you're here? Well, because I was subpoenaed. Well, but do you know why you're here? Uh, I was subpoenaed, which I would believe has to do with the Danbury Trashers. You're absolutely correct, but it's about Jimmy Galante. Okay. Tell me how you know Jimmy Galante. How long have you known Jimmy Galante? Did you ever have breakfast with Jimmy Galante? Yes, I went to dinner with... He and his wife and AJ and his daughter, we went to an Italian restaurant. Do you remember what the conversation was like? It was all about family. Uh, He was asking me about my family. I'm talking about his family. Do you remember any specifics? No, I don't, actually. At any point in time since you've known Jimmy Galante, has he ever threatened you?
3: No. So this is where it's headed.
5: Has he ever had anybody who's affiliated with himself threaten you? No. Nope. Have you ever feared Jimmy Galante? No, I, I, I have not.
3: To Brasel, it seems as though the state's attorney wants him to paint a picture of Jimmy as a yelling, menacing, dangerous guy. But Brasel isn't playing ball.
5: Have you ever had any dealings with any of his associates? Absolutely. I dealt with many people, all pertaining to a hockey team. Did any of those people ever threaten you? No, they did not. So let me ask you again, Mr. Rossell, have you ever felt fear or threatened by Jimmy Galante? As I've stated numerous times, no, I have not, nor have I ever been. Well, we find that kind of hard to believe. You happen to know what he's capable of. No, sir, I don't know what he's capable of.
3: Then the state's attorney changes tactics.
5: Were you aware that Jimmy and his associates were wiretapped no well they were i'd like to play something for you
6: richard richard good morning cyril viento what's going on cyril how you doing buddy
3: good man what do i owe this great honor
6: oh i'm on uh instructions this morning
3: Russell had no idea this phone call had been recorded. He hears himself in conversation with Jimmy's right-hand man, Ciro Viento. It's the conversation that took place shortly after Jimmy was arrested for punching a linesman.
6: I was asked to give you a call, but not to give you a call, so that okay. you would never be put in a predicament where somebody said that you were called. You know, okay, you know, uh, you know how that goes, right? I got you Go ahead. To...
3: As per Jimmy's off-the-record instructions, Ciro's asking Brassell for help. Jimmy wants the linesman, Jim Harper, to drop the charges.
6: He, um, he wanted me to impress upon you as to how important it is to get that letter uh-huh. from Mr Harper uh-huh. for tomorrow. Oh, no,
5: it'll be there Monday. It'll be faxed over to Jimmy's attorney first thing yeah. Monday morning. OK. That's it. That's all they play. That's all they played. And I said, uh, "There's more." No, no, nope, nope, won't let me say anything. He keeps putting his hand up. Nope. I think we've heard enough.
3: Brissal says the prosecutor doesn't play the full call cool in court, just an excerpt. He thinks that was a deliberate tactic.
5: Yeah, it makes it appear like I took care of his dirty business for him. My sphincter spasmed like nobody's business at that moment.
3: Sounds like Brasel had his own dirty laundry to deal with after the hearing. According to the commissioner, if the grand jury had heard the full recording of that call, they would know he didn't do anything illegal. I'm going to play it for you now. Make up your own mind.
5: I'm glad that you made this call, that you didn't make this call. I have spoken to the linesmen and have told him exactly what to put in there.
1: Right. You know, with all the confusion, we don't know who hit who or who pushed who or whatever. It could have been anyone else. I mean, I'm sure you know what you're doing.
5: Well, yeah, what, we have the opening statement. I, Jim Harper, solemnly swear that I, I have been coerced into dropping the chart. <laughs>
6: <laughs>
3: oh, man. I guess that last bit is a joke. But either way, back in March 2005, the grand jury never got to hear it. The state's attorney tells Brassell he's dismissed.
5: All right, I have nothing further. I said, well, I do. No, it doesn't work that way. I ask the questions.
3: Interrogation over. As Brasel leaves the courtroom, filled with sphincter-spasming anxiety, the state's attorney turns to him. He has some final words for the commissioner.
5: We reserve the right to open up an investigation against you.
3: Brasel's league, his reputation, and even his own freedom are now in jeopardy. But if he thinks the state's attorney is going to all this effort just to uncover the truth about a post-game punch-up, he's got another thing coming. Because, you see, the FBI are on a mission to prove that Jimmy Galante is connected to someone powerful.
2: He's one of the most successful wise guys in the history of New York City wise guys. You know, he's one of the most powerful men in New York City, period. Period and most of that was because of illegitimate activity.
3: One of the most notorious men in the country.
5: Violence, threats, extortion, etc.
3: That's next time on the Fighty Pucks. The Fighty Pucks is produced by Novel for iHeartRadio. For more from Novel, visit novel.audio. The series is hosted by me, Claire Crofton, and produced by me, Joe Wheeler, and Amalia Sautland. The executive producer is David Waters. Story editing from Max O'Brien, Mythali Rao, and Austin Mitchell. Our field producer is Babette Thomas. Our fact-checker is Dania Suleyman. Our hockey sensitivity reader is Nikhil Desai. Production management from Cherie Houston and Charlotte Wolfe. Sound design, mixing and scoring by Nicholas Alexander. Additional engineering by Daniel Kempson. Music supervision by Nicholas Alexander and David Waters. Original music composed by Eric Phillips. Willard Foxton is creative director of development. Special thanks to Sean Glynn, Katrina Norvell, David Wasserman, Sean Ty Tone, and beth Ann Macaluso. Novel.
5: Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury.